It's episode 53 of the Planet LP Podcast. Welcome to it, friends. I'm Ted Asfragadu, and on this episode, I'm going to ask you to sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful... For those of a certain age, I think you filled in the blank after that pause. And if you haven't guessed, the conversation in this episode is about TV theme songs. Those one to two minute songs that introduce the viewer to a show they may not know anything about, but boy, that theme song can sure hook them into watching. As always, subscribe and follow Planet LP on whatever podcasting app you use. We're on the most popular ones. Social channels, easy to find. Instagram and Twitter, we're at the Planet LP. Facebook, Planet LP. Email to connect with me. I'm at ted at planetlp.com. Okay, Time to start channel surfing with my guest on the other side of this. When I was writing a lot for the pop culture site Popdose, I got to know Scott Malkus really well. He was the TV guy. I can't say entirely that he was a critic because sometimes his pieces were more about the love of television and movies than making an evaluation of the work itself. And that's what made his work so engaging to read. He could alternate between, you gotta see this, to, well, here's where things went wrong with this show or this movie. So when I was thinking about who would be a great fit for this episode, I thought, hmm, how about Scott Malkus? And I got in touch with him and he said, okay, sounds fun. Scott Malkus, welcome to the Planet LP podcast. Thanks for having me, Ted. It's a, it's really an honor to be here. I can't recall the last time we spoke. Do you remember when we spoke last? I time? do. It was about 10 years ago. Holy 20, cow. 2012, I was doing a video streaming show for this company in San Francisco called Chi. Radio V. The show was called American Liberal, and you were on to talk about the DVD release of Prometheus. That was the Alien prequels, one of two. One of many, right? Yeah, <laughs> Alien prequels. And man, boy, did that movie suck. I think it was just like a- <laughs> That's putting it kindly, man. Jeez, it was like. But you got you got the DVD like this massive expanded version, and yeah. Slapped on the cover, it said, questions will be answered. And you said, that's not good. Whenever you got to <laughs> slap a sticker on there that say questions will be answered, it means that the screenwriter didn't do their exactly. job. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're having to have questions answered after the movie's been released, mm, not a good yeah, thing. Not, not a good might, thing. You might have blown it in the first draft or exactly. the final draft, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Right. But we're yeah. not here to talk about Prometheus. We're here to talk about TV theme songs. So what we're going to do is lay down the one ground rule for these songs. We're only going to talk about theme songs that were written specifically for a TV show. That means we won't be talking about, say, the theme song to The Sopranos or Weeds or Party of Five. Okay, you get the idea. And since I've been yakking a lot, Scott, why don't you start with your first pick. We're not rank ordering these. It's just, we're picking them. I would say my first one is the Jeffersons, from oh, which yeah. the show aired from 70, 1975 to 85. I mean, it's a classic. It's, was, yeah. uh, it was written by a guy named Jeff Barry, who I've, I've mm -hmm. done my research, Ted, so you're going to have to bear good. with me a little bit. Now. Good, good, good. Uh, Jeff Barry, who was actually a songwriter from the 60s. He wrote classics like Do Wah Diddy and Be My Baby and Leader of the Pack. And uh, wow. then he moved into doing television music. 
and co-written uh, by Jeannette Dubois, who was one of the actresses you'd know from Good Times, and she also sang it. And uh, I think really? that it's one of the, yeah, she sang uh, <laughs> Move On okay. Up, man. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I think that this. I think it's one of those songs that has outlived the uh, the series itself. I mean, mm-hmm. that's strange mm-hmm. to say, but you know, you have to dig around to find Jefferson's reruns on TV. But you, if you were to start singing the song to uh, to it around uh, millennials or Gen Zers, I bet they would know what it is. Because you think so? Okay, I All do. Right. I think it's it was one of those things that was so popular that uh, that it's it's been reused in commercials. And I think that it's just kind of carried over into like sitcoms and people mimicking it and stuff. I, I don't know. We have kids who are in Gen Z. I'll have to try that with my daughter, Maya. You have to try it with your daughter, too. So, I've I yeah. done it. Yeah. I go, I'll just go, we're moving on up. And then all of a sudden, they'll just pick up after me. I'm like, and I'll just like, how do you know that? It's like, but, but they do. It's great. It's a great song, you know, it especially is. if we finally got a piece of the pie. Yeah. And it's. And then, yeah. And it's, uh, I feel like it's one of those songs that, that, that kind of tells the story of what the show is going to be. It's talking about everything that's happened to the Jeffersons. You don't have to watch it all in the family to know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just this upwardly mobile family, you know, living in a deluxe apartment in the sky. And, and uh, they are, yeah. yeah. And was, was that the first show? And I don't, yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick your brain as a TV critic for a minute. Sure. Maybe a TV historian. Was that the first show to have an interracial relationship on, like, on a sitcom? I think it was. I think it was. It was a radical show. Yeah, yeah. Was, was that Norman Lear who who created that? The yes, Jefferson? it was. Because it was a, yeah. it was a spinoff from All in the Family, which he did. Yeah. It's such a different song from the All in the Family theme song, which was always looking back to like pre New Deal stuff, right? And I had yeah. honestly, when I was growing up, I had no idea what they were talking about. I just thought it was this sort of this old timey song, and it was, you know, talking about Glenn Miller songs. It was always depressing to me. Whenever I'd hear yeah. the All in the Family song, I would be like, I don't want to watch this show. It seems so. <laughs> And the Jeffersons was like upbeat and fun. It's true. And, you know. It's true. Okay, so this segues into my first okay. pick, which is WKRP, the opening and the end credits, both. So this is the the opening was written by a guy named Tom Wells and Hugh Wilson, who was the creator of the show. Since I worked in radio for decades, I've <laughs> since left that industry. But I guess once you're in, you never really get out. So this song is is kind of like um, required to be on my list. It's a fairly conventional <laughs> song. Well, <laughs> so it the, almost made my list because I'm from Ohio. So oh, you know, okay. You're right, right. Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it is kind of a fairly conventional theme song, but I, when I was listening it, to the lyrics, I kept thinking, okay, so is it about program director, Andy Travis? Is it about Dr. Johnny fever? Is it about Venus flytrap? Maybe it's about all three because it's supposed to be about, if you ever wondered whatever happened to me, you know, I'm on WKRP in Cincinnati, right. but I thought, well, Andy never really went on the air, but Johnny did and Venus did, of course. And uh, of course, Les Nesman did. But I just thought, is it just about DJs in general, how they had this sort of itinerant lifestyle that they're bouncing from station to station around the I country? I think it might be about radio in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I I recently rewatched the, the, the pilot episode and- yeah. It, I mean, the pilot is all focused on Andy and coming from, I think he's coming from Arizona somewhere. So it does seem to be about anybody in radio and how you're just kind of moving from town to town, wherever they'll give you the gig, you know? Right, right. And I think I remember that episode for the fact that Andy 
put up a Kiss poster in the yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, and I was so into Kiss back then. I was like, oh my God, Kiss is on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so that was awesome. pretty And I, since you watched the pilot again, <laughs> is this the one where Dr. Johnny Fever said booger on the air? Was that yeah. what he was allowed to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the one where, uh, yeah, he's been playing elevator music and he yeah. runs the needle across the record and then he goes, starts the song. And then he pauses and he goes, booger. And I play the song again. This was so fantastic. And I, I, I put in the end credits too, because oh, yeah. for years I thought, what is this guy saying? I thought the lyrics were impossible to understand. And now I find out decades later that it was kind of like a scratch vocal. He was just speaking sort of gibberish. What? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I went on uh, Last FM. They have a wiki about the song, and I'll just read what, what they wrote. It says okay. a closing theme WKRP in Cincinnati end credits was a hard rock number composed and performed by Jim Ellis, an Atlanta musician who recorded some of the incidental music for the show. According to people who attended the recording session, Ellis didn't yet have the lyrics for the closing theme. So he sang nonsense words to give an idea of how it would sound. Hugh Wilson decided to use the gibberish words anyway, since he felt that it would be funny to use lyrics that were deliberately gibberish as a satire on the incomprehensibility of many rock songs. Also, because CBS always had an announcer talking over the closing credits, Wilson knew that no one would actually hear the closing theme lyrics anyway. I swear he said something like, went to the bartender, bartender said. I watched the show and it was on CBS, but I also, again, was a syndicated show. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the announcers. So they would play the end credits and you would actually hear the the theme song. So that's how I'm like, I always was like, I I swear it's like something. That's why I kept thinking he said something about bartender. Yeah, I heard, Uh, I hear, I heard bartender as well. Let's just, let's just play a little bit of this. Your bartender now. Yeah, see? It's there. It's definitely there. So it's not must, gibberish. Come on. That's right, man. They must right. they must have been anticipating the activities after they finished the record session. Exactly. So. Exactly. Okay. So you're next up with your next pick. So you had the Jeffersons, which was a really strong start. Yes. See what you got. Well, now mine is more obscure. I'm okay. going into but uh, the St. Elsewhere theme song. The St. Elsewhere theme song. Okay. Yes. It's uh, well, St. Elsewhere is not a hit show. So uh, I like it though. I thought it was I really love that show. show. Yeah. And uh, the, the composer of the St. Elsewhere theme song, Dave Gruson. Oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, the jazz guy. Jazz right? guy. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was all written on keyboard. It was a tough one because it was St. Elsewhere and Hill Street Blues were out at the same time, you know, and obviously Hill Street Blues, Mike Post became a, even a hit song mm-hmm. on the charts and stuff like that. But to me, St. Elsewhere captured the tone of what the show was. It was 
it's got this melancholy thing going on in, in it kind of announces that this is a drama series, mm-hmm. but there's this kind of bouncing beat going on underneath that also kind of relays that this is a kind of an offbeat, strange show. It's not your typical straightforward drama, like a Hill street blues. And it's not definitely not one of those action dramas like uh, a team or anything like that. Again, it's one of those songs that I'm sure the current generations would have no idea what it was, but it was one of those songs. It, as soon as I heard it, I knew what it was. And if I was in the other room, I could hear, I was like, oh yeah, it's staying elsewhere. To this day, it stays with me. And again, I, I don't know if these are the best. This is just one of my favorites. But no, it's all right. You know, the thing, the thing about St. Elsewhere that I remember is they killed off a character by her falling down a, an elevator that yeah. was yeah, not that there. Yeah, that was the, the strangeness of the show. And yeah. I think that that's, and it, it was I Diana it. Moldauer who was the, was the actress, and then she ended up on Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> so I think that's why they killed her off, is they were like, yeah. well, she's yeah. never coming back because she's beaming into Oh, no, you're the, thinking of L.A. Law, I think. Was that L.A. Law where the- yeah, the, the elevator door opens and she walks in and falls and dies. And she I thought that that was St. Elsewhere for some reason. St. Elsewhere, hmm. they killed a person by a bed compressing her. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, these TV shows and how they get rid of their characters. I know. They, just can't, like, they can't just leave. They have to kill yeah. them off. Yeah. I, I'm sure standards is like, as long as it's not bloody and gory, you can kill the person by having her fall down the elevator. <laughs> not the most feel-good moments on TV, but yeah, yeah. my theme song, my, my next theme song, I think really does signal some feel-good moments. It's yep. the love boat theme. I don't know what makes this song so likable. I don't know if it's all that cheesy disco stuff that makes me want to set sail on the love boat, but... I found out that the song was written by a guy named Charles Fox, and then Paul Williams did the lyrics. Oh. And, it's, and it's sung by singer actor Jack Jones, who I don't really know who that is, but Paul Williams is the one that I know the most. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Paul Williams of the Muppet uh, movie fame, right? Or and- the, the guy who wrote Evergreen for a star. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. yeah. 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 Love Boat is a great theme song, man. I mean, again, it, it, that's one of those ones where you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, I know what this show is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, love, and it exciting just, and new. Yeah. yeah. Come aboard. We're expecting you. I think in Airplane 2, when Ted Stryker escapes from prison or something, there's a guy singing the Love Boat theme. <laughs> it's just on the spotlight and he's all, you know, the Love Boat. <laughs> <laughs> what more can you say about the Love Boat theme other than if it doesn't make you feel good, then, uh, well, I'm sorry for you. I, and I, I really think, am. you know, it's yeah. funny. Um, that's a show that has been out of circulation on syndication for a long time, but I think mm-hmm. that uh, if I were to start humming that with my kids, they might be able to pick it up and start. I, it's it's one of those ones that I think has, has stood the test of time. And it may have been a commercial here and there, but I think that you know a lot of these. Uh, we we talked a little bit about kids, and they're. I think I mentioned to you once that uh, you know how the TV theme songs have kind of migrated over to mm-hmm. children's television, like Disney and Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah. And I think that some of those, you know, some of the adult writers on those shows will write jokes about what they grew up listening to into those shows. And that's think that that's how Love Boat may have wound up on that probably Sweet Life of Zach and Cody at one point. Oh, good. Well, you get a, did a little detective work. That's pretty good. Ah, yes, sir. <laughs> speaking, speaking of detectives, we're moving into some, uh, some territory that's, that's less Love Boaty. My next okay. one is Starsky and Hutch, specifically the season two theme song, mm-hmm. uh, which was written by L.A. session musician Tom Scott. 
if I don't know if you knew that, but he he wrote that song and then eventually uh, did a version of it and released it on an album. Is Tom and, Scott also a jazz guy? Jazz guy, yeah. And he yeah. was in the he was in the Blues Brothers band on the uh on okay. the SNL band for a while. And so, you were talking about Dave Brewson earlier, and he did one of my favorite uh, jazzy soundtracks, which was the fabulous Baker Brothers. Yep. Yep. Or boys. Yeah, Fabulous boys. Baker boys. Well, they yeah. were brothers too. Yeah, yeah they were. So, uh, okay, so I got to tell you a little story. Okay. When I was a, a young man, mm-hmm. <laughs> many years ago, the first tape recorder I ever got was one of those rectangle personal tape players that you can tape to the classroom and record lectures, right? So I got that, and uh, one of the very first mixtapes I ever made was TV theme songs. I, I was in of course. <laughs> it's so, got to be TV know, theme songs. I would. <laughs> I would uh, I would set my little tape player next to the TV speaker. I'd tell everybody to hush, and I'd wait just the right time. And I I had all of them on there. Some of my favorites, like wow, the Wild Wild West, Maverick, even H and R Puff and stuff. I would just they were just one right after the other, and uh, that's how I discovered in watching Starsky and Hutch that there was four different theme songs for each season of the show existed. I don't know why they decided to switch it each season. But I guess they were trying to announce that this is this year's a different tone of the show. Uh, this is real nerdy. So, so season two and season four are the same song, but different arrangements of it. At one point, I had recorded both versions of the song, and then I decided to make a, a remix of the Starsky and Hutch theme song with two really terrible tape players recording one after the other because then I would add in like – it was became like the long – the 12-inch version of the Starsky and Hutch <laughs> You really like that theme song. I, I did. It was crazy. I had I had no friends, Ted. So. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch were my best friends. So. It was just, it's just a really cool song. I, I just that's the thing is like coupled with the imagery of these two cops who were supposed to be best buddies, you know, but mm-hmm. they're different and they're kind of rogue. And if you watch the show now, you're like, yep, this this show would not fly in 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 the 21st century. You know, they're throwing guys against windows and basically doing everything that's legal um, everything get- that's in that beastie boys video yeah for exactly. is a starsky and hutch <laughs> thing it's, so it's totally um, starsky and hutch oh my god but uh <laughs> anyway that that's my story I, i've always just loved uh that that it's just a kind of a funky this is the height of disco but it's yeah, not really yeah. a disco song you know and it's kind of got this funky dark edge to it with the guitars and, and you know tom's got the sax player and there's no saxophone on so it's kind of cool that he just kind of stepped outside of that it's like i want to write this let's play a little bit okay let's play a little bit of it there it is <laughs> yeah That's right, man. I mean, can't you just see uh, Huggy Bear walking down the movie aisle? (laughs) Oh, man. It's a a weird song, man. It's like late 70s, uh, what is that, Fusion? I don't even know if that's... Yeah. It's got like that Billy Preston feel from... (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot cooler than the show itself. What the? <laughs> and the drums are okay, killer. Right. This is great. It's kind of solid. I mean, I this song was. I gotta dig out the the full length version that Tom Scott did because this song kind of rocks. It does. Where is the drummer is, man? It's, it's I know. Oh, something blew up there. Yeah. 
there it is. Well, if, if it was recorded in L.A., it was probably like Steve Gadd on drums. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Steve, can you come down and lay down uh, some drum parts? Yeah, sure, you're not gonna get, this thing's going to get played in, indefinitely, but you'll get paid a flat fee. Oh, okay, man, whatever. Yeah, I think on a if you heard like a, a better recorded version, you could really, I mean, tease out some like some pretty tasty playing there. Yep. That's a good pick. I Thanks, like that man. one. So I'm going to go in a different direction. All right. A little bit more contemporary, not sort of stuck in the uh, yeah, so so far in the past that. Uh, uh, sorry, but there I... was a there. Was, no, 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 no. Because I do it too. Right, I've done it too. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like right in there. So crazy ex girlfriend. Ah, uh, uh, that's a, a great series one, on the that was on the CW. This theme song makes me laugh. I mean, it's so good. I've only seen a few episodes of the show. But when I was kind of getting my list together, I had to put it up there as an example of a theme song that tells the viewer what the show is about. It's got a Broadway tune show appeal, but the lyrics do a great job to me of telling the viewers a bit about what the show is doing in a very self-aware way. So it was written by Adam Schlesinger. He was Mm. in Fountains of Wayne and unfortunately died from COVID back in 2020. Also in the the group uh, Tinted Windows. But the actress who plays the crazy ex-girlfriend, Rachel Bloom, does the the vocal. So I'm just going to play it because it's very short. It's only 30 seconds. I was working hard at a New York job making dough, but it made me blue. One day I was crying a lot, and so I decided to move to West Covina, California. Brand new pals and new career. It happens to be where Josh lives, but that's not why I'm here. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's a sexist term. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. Can you guys stop singing for just a second? She's so broken inside. The situation's a lot more nuanced than that. C-R-A-Z-Y. Okay, we get it. Craziest girlfriend. <laughs> That's so good. That's so funny. Brevity is the essence of wit. It's mm-hmm. a 30 second song, but it tells the whole story and it's That's super right. funny too. Yep. Like her little asides. That's sexist, you know? Yeah. Like, can you guys just stop singing? That? Yeah. <laughs> now it makes me want to watch the watch I know. The show. I'm going, I'm always looking for new shows to watch. So let's see what, uh, what your next theme song is. Well, I, I felt like I had to include something by Mike Post, who seemed, mm-hmm. who was like the king of TV music and TV theme songs, especially in the 80s. But his first big one was Rockford Files, which. Oh, yeah. Another one of those ones that. I, that first of all, this one was a crossover hit, became a, mm-hmm. a single, and, and was played on the radio, which is, seems strange to me that there's no singing. So no. they have, it's like, so hey, it's that Rockford Files song. Turn that up. But it's, but, uh, it's catchy, right? It's catchy. It again, it's like almost like the Starsky and Hutch thing, where it tells just who who Rockford is. You know, man, mm-hmm. and it's got that weird keyboard sound going on there, and uh, and harmonica that became kind of the thematic instrument throughout the whole series um, that was towards the end of this of the theme song that the harmonica came yeah, in yeah and, yeah yeah right i associate the harmonica with like loneliness for some reason you know you think mm. of i always think of hobos on the train you know and they all all they've got with them is their, their sack run sack and the harmonica to play to keep them company it's almost kind of what uh, rockford's uh existence was you know yeah lived in a, yeah. a motorhome and, and it's got a good groove to it i love it it's Probably falls in the same category as Starsky and Hutch, but but I don't know. I think it's great. Stylistically, Post, you mean? In a yeah, way. yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but like I said, Mike Post, you wrote Hill Street Blues, but he also mm-hmm. he wrote the NYPD Blue theme. But then he did the A Team and Magnum PI. You know, so he was like all over the place uh, writing theme songs the, in the eighties. The Who had a song 
I think it came out in oh gosh, it must be oh, oh, you're five right. oh six, and it was called Mike Post theme. And I didn't know really much about Mike Post as as you're talking, I and you're rattling off these series that he had done the theme songs for, and I realized, oh, okay, now I get it. He really was kind of the king of the TV theme songs yeah. for a while there. Greatest and American so that, Hero, Sim Two. He did that too. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, he's got quite. He's got quite a resume. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. He he, he kind of got into whoever the guy that created all those action shows in the eighties, and he got in with him, and then Stephen Bochco. So he was like both ends of the the hour long drama spectrum. He was in charge, and I think he did. He also did Doogie Howser because he was all part of the Bochco family. Okay, Mike Post. So when Mike I listen to that Who song, and they're saying it's that Mike Post theme, now I know what to hear for. It could be yeah. the Rockford Files. It could be the A Team. It could be any one of those. Yeah, maybe maybe he's referring to all of those type of things. Very I much really so. Dig yeah. into the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my pick is the Muppet Show by Jim Henson and Sam Pottle. They wrote the lyrics, and I think kind of like the Love Boat. If this doesn't make you feel good, then you're just a yeah. miserable human being. Not to yeah. love this thing. Exactly. So <laughs> and you know, it's that like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It totally tells you what you're about to watch. Exactly. You know? And it's more irreverent than anything that was yes. on Sesame Street. Absolutely. But that's probably why it's so great. It's both traditional and irreverent. And a real nice combo that works well. And you've got a lot going on, and it's it's not very long. I think it's probably about a minute long. If that, yeah. But it, it starts fairly traditionally, and then it gets kind of funny throughout the yeah. whole thing. And that's not easy to do, to sort of lace in the laughs on the theme song. And then they changed it up a little bit every week because – was it what was the name of the – when they would blow the horn at the end? Was it Gonzo? Oh, it's Gonzo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the horn would always make a different sound. So you'd want to know what sound it was That's true. Make. That's so funny. That's one example of taking a theme song and – Putting some kind of hook or reveal that every week it's just a little different. Yeah, <laughs> and see, see the reaction. It's yeah. it's sort of like what. Well, now now in like Bob's Burger and Simpsons, they did it differently. That it was more of a visual gag, but uh, mm-hmm. but they kind of took that took their cue from the Muppet Show. You know. Yeah, gotta love the Muppet Show. Still a one lot of the funniest still, ones. Yeah, that is a show that will never be duplicated. That show and the first movie they did never yeah. will be replicated once. Once Disney bought the Muppets, it lost its edge, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. because that's what made – they were independent. They were making that Muppet show independently, and they didn't have to answer to anyone. And, and I think that's why so many stars wanted to be on the show. And it was absolutely. like, I'm going to be on the Muppet show. Really? Now with corporate synergy, everybody having contracts with – you know, it's like it's tougher now with because again, though Disney owns it, they're like, well, let's just get our stars to be on the Muppet Show. You know, exactly. Like, that show was like like a, this bridge show between old time Hollywood and and new new Hollywood. You know, you, yeah. If you watch that yeah. movie, you got Bob Hope and Elliot Gould in within minutes <laughs> of each other, and Richard Pryor and yeah. Mel Brooks. I'm like, I never again will that ever happen. So. I mean, you've got to you got to wonder if these actors said, "I will work for Union Scale." Just to yeah. be on the Muppet Show. They did. And I'm sure they did. It's like, yeah. what do you need me for? One line. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's 2000 bucks. Cool. Great. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take somebody to lunch later. You know? That's, That's cool, like, man. Oh, yeah. All right. You're up since I, we were talking, waxing nostalgic right, so about the Muppet Show. Well, let's go back to waxing nostalgic. And the last of my top five is Banana Splits theme song. Talk about a silly song and, and, um, 
a nonsensical song, but just a great melody and pulls you in. And I, I didn't realize this when I was doing my research, but it was released as a single. Actually, it did sounds okay. like a contemporary song, though, for the time. It really for does, 19 late it? late 60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. like la, yeah. La, la, la. But it's also so, got a bit of a, an edge to it. I don't know for for a kids huh. theme song. I felt it's not like the Archie Sugar. Uh, 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 you know, this one seems a little more pushing you towards the goofiness. And um, if you hear the song, you're always hearing these boing boing, and that's the characters <laughs> like falling over and hitting each other. And it's like that's a little violent for a kids show, but okay, you know. Like, yeah, these, get away with that stuff in the sixties. You've got these uh, characters that are basically plushies. And oh yeah, they're doing, slap, doing slapstick. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. When you were a little kid and you watch it, and their mouths aren't articulated or anything, mm-hmm. they're just guys yeah. in suits, and they talked, and you just bought it. And now kids would have to see everything move like up and down. It has to be really mechanical, and this was just like. Nope, just guys in a suit. And you're just like, one guy's tongue just was constantly hanging out. One of the characters' tongue is always hanging out. You're just like, I buy it. And they're all like stoners. They're stoner characters. <laughs> they're all in sunglasses. Like, it's, it's the funniest thing. And hey, yeah. kids, wake up on Saturday and watch these stoner characters beat each other up. And, I'm, and- I'm looking at the lyrics. It, it's called the Tra-La-La song or One Banana, Two Banana. Uh-huh. And so it's like one banana, two banana, three banana, four. All bananas make a split. So do many more. Over hill and highway, the banana buggies go. Come along to bring you the banana splits show. And then it goes into the, the, the chorus, which is the tra-la-la. And let's see if there's any weird stuff that goes on. Well, it says, uh, flipping like a pancake, popping like a cork, fegal bingo, drooper and snork. There we are. And I don't know if this, I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, I'm just looking at what came up on Google as I Googled it. It says the Dickies was the name of the band that, that made it or created oh. it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dickies. Yeah, maybe you're one, <laughs> you're one and only hit, I guess. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's all it takes, man. You know? Well, you're talking about songs that became hit singles. My last pick is by the Rembrandts, I'll Be There For You, which was a theme song to Friends. It's one that I picked because, one, it's a great theme song. It really is. It brings, it, I would say I, it's iconic at this stage. It brings so much excitement to the show, right? Yeah. Just that opening guitar riff. It's a great way to start the show. And then mm-hmm. the lyrics... Interesting that the the lyrics, even though the show is called Friends, the song lyrics never mention the title Friends, even though it's pretty clear this is all about friends. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty brilliant. They wrote the, the Rembrandts wrote the theme song for the show. Then as it started getting airplay on radio, they went and did a longer version. So I'll be honest. I think the the short version works better. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I think it's all you need. I'd played the single version that they recorded for radio and it always just felt like you want it to end a little quicker. You know, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't a very long song, the the single version that they, re, that they created for radio, but they added uh, another seconds. verse yeah. And, yeah. and then like what an instrumental break. It was just like, yes, let's see how long it was. So I, I had to Google it. I had to it's find right. out how long the song was. I thought it was under three minutes, but no, it's three minutes and nine seconds. Oh my God. That's so too long. It is. It felt a little bloated because every week I'm used to the, the one minute version. And then they, had yeah, that's how a single version would have been fine, like 236. It topped the Billboard Hot 100. What? For, yeah, for eight weeks. Also Man. peaked atop the uh, Billboard Hot Adult Contemporary and Mainstream Top 40 charts. 
Wow. It said on the Billboard Hot 100, well, this is weird. It says it reached number 17 as a double A side with This House Is Not a Home. What? Canada, it peaked um, number one for five consecutive weeks, and it was its most successful single of 1995. United Kingdom reached number three. The Irish singles chart uh, the same year, it, it peaked at the same position, which was number three. Scotland went to number one, and the song sold 322,000 copies in the UK during 1995. So yeah, did pretty well for them. Yes, that's <laughs> retirement money right there. Yeah, I guess so. That's why we don't hear from them anymore, man. <laughs> exactly. Why bother? Let's go tour off of our three songs, you know? Yeah. I mean, I knew them from the early 90s, mm-hmm. and I liked their the Rembrandts. They're good, you know, solid uh, pop band when grunge was starting to come but they were writing some good stuff and so when i learned that they did this song the friends theme song i was like oh good for them that's cool i I wonder if it became a curse because it became so huge and it's like play the friends song and like we we did that for as a throw (laughs) 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 somebody needed a theme song and we did it we had some I just called them of note. It wasn't anything that was in our in our our main list, but we had some other ones that we wanted to spotlight. But before I do, I was talking to my wife. Our, our wives have the same first name, Julie. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was talking to my Julie, and I said to her, "Hey, you want to be on the podcast?" And she kept saying, "No, I don't want to be on the podcast." I said because we were talking about theme songs, and she's, "Oh, well, this one I really like, and this one." I said, "You should come on." Said, no, I don't. Want, <laughs> I don't want to be on. And so finally, I said, "You know, it's funny." My wife said that was the exact same thing. But she started giving me suggestions right away. <laughs> exactly. And so this morning, before we started recording. Uh, my Julie started writing down her top five. Well, it wasn't really a top five. It's the five that she really liked. And one of them was on your list, which is the Jefferson's theme song. So she really thought that was great. Brady Bunch. Here's a story. Lovely lady. Dude, that one. Talk about a a theme song that tells you everything about the show. Really? Yeah. If you don't know what that show's about after watching the intro, you were even listening. And I can see the meeting where that was pitched. How are people going to figure this out? I mean, two families with all these. We'll put it in the theme song. Exactly. (laughs) Sherwood Schwartz, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, Family Ties. That was another one. Great one. Alice. And I thought, Alice. oh, I should have put Alice on my list. I, that it's, was another one of those ones that I I saw, I would watch in syndication. That whole TV series is based on a Scorsese movie. That's yeah. The strangest uh, Alice thing. doesn't live here anymore, which yeah. was not a comedy. No. <laughs> it was very serious. Yeah. Who was in the, the film, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore? Who was that? Uh, it was Ellen Burstyn. Academy Award for that movie. She won an Academy Did she really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, Hard to uh, believe a sitcom comes out of that movie. Yeah, well, and that they took one small faction of that movie and put mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like the diner. Working at that diner, it was like, right. oh, well, we'll make that into a sitcom. I think uh, Vic Tabak was in both the movie yes, and, yeah. and, and the TV know, show. Kiss My Grits. She was not Kiss in it, though. Yeah. No. Yeah. But Flo was yeah. not in it. And Vera um, wasn't in it either, if I no, recall. No, I think it was no. just her. Yeah. The last of her five was this song. This is it. I love this song. Talk about a show that was ahead of its time. I know. Up on your feet. Yeah. Gospel feel that. Yeah.
Nice. That's a good so one. According to my uh, my Jefferson's uh, research, uh, mm-hmm. the guy who co-wrote that song, Jeff Berry, also wrote that song, One Day at a Time. He likes his gospel-y music. He does. And when you said that, I thought, <laughs> oh, this has a Jefferson's feel to it. That's funny. It does. Yeah, you know, that was one of those shows I, was, I didn't really get it when I was a kid. Because I would always be like, well, where's the dad? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was a weird thing because the sitcoms usually, you know, they had to fit the whole family dynamic in there. Even if the situation was bleak, like there's, there's always a dad or something. This one, and she was could, divorced mom, right? Yes. Was, and, um, and again, maybe another first for TV. Yeah. A divorced mother. It's about a divorced mom and raising yeah. her two kids. So, well, I guess Alice was about that, wasn't it? Raising her son. Yeah, you're right. So there's two. That's there's two. CB, CBS, you know, breaking it down. <laughs> Alice theme song was sung by the, the star, Linda Lavin. So Linda she, Lavin. That was Man. a great as theme song. The whole that sure was. Girl in town and she's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh freckled face in yeah. the neighborhood. That was a great show. Wow. I'm going to have to go dig these things up on Tubi. Yeah, I know. Doesn't it just make you want to go watch the show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So then I asked my daughter. Maya, I said, okay, so, you know, I'm doing this podcast with, with Scott, this episode about TV theme songs. I said, can you give me your top five? She goes, yeah, absolutely. So here's hers. No particular order, by the way. Wizards of Waverly Place. Yep, yep. I remember that Selena one. Gomez. That's right. Hannah Montana. Yeah, it's funny you meant Hannah Montana's down there because my wife and daughter and I were daughter Sophie and I who's 23 so we were all talking last night and and she they wanted to contribute theme songs and uh, Sophie said dad two words Hannah Montana <laughs> that's theme song well, well Sophie and May are roughly in the same age group May is mm-hmm. a little bit older but it looks like they're watching the same show yeah yeah um, SpongeBob SquarePants that's classic yeah I know that, I mean, one that's instantly recognizable uh, yeah, it doesn't really tell you about the show, but somehow you kind of know what it's about. Yep, who <laughs> lives know? in a pineapple under the sea? Oh yeah, it's SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is Corey in the house. Okay. That's so Raven is next after that. That's so Raven. Okay. I Carly. I and then the one that I'm going to feature because I think it's the one that mostly reminds me of Maya, and she does have it as a ringtone on her phone. It's, <laughs> it's this one. Christina Aguilera, huh? Yeah, no kidding. You wanna reach me? Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when. I will be there for you till the very end. Danger or trouble, I'm there on the double. You know that you always can call impossible. So what's the pitch? Call me, beat me if you wanna reach me. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. How very early 2000s. Very, yeah. Yeah. We watched we watched plenty of Kim Possible in our house. It's funny, though. I mean, it's a funny show. Yeah, no, oh, it was great. Yeah. It's a cute show. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a section, as I called it earlier, of note. Oh, sure. <laughs> These are the ones that, that got left off our main list. So let's, uh, we'll go through those fairly quickly. I mean, we don't have to 
dwell on them unless suddenly we go, oh, yeah, oh, my God. But, <laughs> yeah. So you go first. You, you do your uh, of note list. Of note, uh, mm-hmm. Adventure Time, the classic mm-hmm. Cartoon Network series. Really simple song. I know for a fact that the, the singing was done in a conference room, and you can hear somebody typing in the background. <laughs> Next time you listen to it, you can hear okay. it. Clack, 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 mm-hmm. clack, clack. Yeah. Beretta. Oh, Classic oh, Sammy Davis Jr. That should have been on my list. Dang. Don't do the crime if you can't. Can't do the time. Don't do it. Keep <laughs> your eye on the sparrow. They got some Ooh. great musicians doing music for theme songs in the, uh, in the 70s, man. Damn, Sammy. You had it going uh, on back then. Okay. You sure did. Uh, A-Team. Which has become, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's an iconic thing now. That you, There's a pretty, Mike Post theme, right? The Mike Post theme, yeah. Laverne and Shirley. Oh, shoot. Why? <laughs> There's another one. I think, uh, yeah. I have no idea what they're saying at the beginning of that song. Uh, Shamil, Shamal. Shamazel, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. Uh, whatever that means. I don't so know. So a Shlemiel is, is like, a, I think, a silly person. I don't know what Shlamazel is. Maybe it's oh. bad luck. But Hassan Pfeffer, I remember from Warner Brothers cartoons because- Anytime that uh, somebody was trying to cook Bugs Bunny, they would say, we're having Haas and Pfeffer. He goes, oh, Haas and Pfeffer, Haas and Pfeffer. So it's a silly theme song. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I think that one's still a, a hit song. That one was on there. Got got a single release as well. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Star, yeah. Star Trek, the original Star Trek, I think. Oh, the OG. Okay. All right. The OG Star Trek. With, yeah. with narration, of course. Yes. Space. space. The final the frontier. The series ended before their five-year voyage. <laughs> Our yeah, five-year voyage. It was only on for yeah. like, was it only on for three? Was it three? Three, years or I think. Four I years? only made it three. three. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we came into their voyage okay. midway through their voyage or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Andy Griffith theme song, the Andy Griffith Show, <laughs> starring Andy Griffith, not in color. Yeah. yeah later yeah. it was in color, but uh, yeah, you know, the very end, I think. One. Yeah. When Opie was now like a teenager or something. That's kind of a nice um, theme song. It, 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 it is. has a down homey feel. So it's a deceptive song, I feel like, because yeah. that show is very sly. The theme song makes you feel as like, oh, it's just a, a friendly North Carolina show, but a very sly show. You had the town drunk, was it? Otis? Town drunk, he would just yeah. check, he would check himself into jail. So you had this guy who was an alcoholic running through yeah. the show, and it yeah. was just sort of like, I'm okay, and he was going to sleep it off in jail. Yeah, the drunk tank. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Andy, you ever um, think you might want to get your friend help? Well, they didn't know what that was back then. This is like, Otis, you just need to dry up. Okay, Andy. <laughs> I'll dry up for a good 10 hours, Andy. I yeah, promise. Yeah. I'll be good. I'll I be think good. There, was, there must have been an episode where Otis dried up to go on a date or something, you know? That, that should have been the point where they said, Otis, you need help. But Yes. Uh, yeah. A very special Andy Griffin. <laughs> Paul. Why is Otis thrown up in the backyard? Well, now, 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 Opie. Now, Opie, that's what we call the shakes. Uh, <laughs> the DTs. The DTs. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. But anyway, okay. We're was, I'm not trying to make fun. <laughs> no. Moving on. on. Yes, yes. Shall uh, The Jetsons, one of the best oh, uh, TV theme yeah. songs of an animated series. And now, there's uh, one that tells you what the show's about. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, meet George Jetson, yeah. Jay and his mm-hmm. wife. Uh, and it's got a little jazzy part. Yeah. And then my last one is probably the most iconic theme song other than Friends of the 90s, which would be the Law and Order theme song. You hear that and you know exactly what you're watching. You're yeah. in the other room. Bum, bum, doo, doo. It's like, oh, 
It's Law and Order Zone. Uh, Mike Post <laughs> wrote that one too. Oh my God! You, you, Mike Post is everywhere. I told you, man. He did everything. Yeah, that Mike Post, he sure gets around. Well, Good those Lord. composers, man, you just like you grab it. It's like uh, we need a, we, you know, it's like really, it's just like you're working for a week, maybe. <laughs> I need a theme song now. Uh, <laughs> Who do we call? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, that works, Mike. Good job. And then it gets around. At lunches, like who who did your theme song? Was Mike Post? Uh, Mike Post didn't he do the A team? Yeah. Really? Hey, hey, make a note of that. Call Mike Post. I'm Paul thinking Mike Post. of doing a really? TV series that's about the justice system, but <laughs> these these renegades from the war are on the run. Hmm, sounds like you need a specific theme song. Let's get Mike Post. So my of note, actually, I take note of the Kim Possible theme, "Call Me Beat mm-hmm. Me," which I played. So there's one. The Office by Jay Ferguson. Oh. He did the little synthesizer. That's a great one. I, I didn't yeah. even think of that one. And then there's there's a bit of a rock section in yeah. the, bom, the bom, bom, yeah. yeah, yeah. That so apparently one. The, the creator enlisted musicians who I guess later appeared on the show as the Scrantones. Oh, really? You know, it, it took place in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So the Scrantones. Morton Stevens, who did the Hawaii Five O theme. Wow. Yep. Yeah. What a great instrumental, huh? For a cop yeah. show. That hero painted all over that thing. I no kidding, man. The biggest accomplishment for timpanis ever in a in, in popular music. Nerf Herder, who did the Buffy the Vampire Slayer theme oh, song. Oh, sweet. Yeah, they're actually an American rock band from Santa Barbara. Um, then I'm going to group these three together because they're I'm telling a story story. One is the Brady Bunch theme, telling mm-hmm. a story about the show. So that was uh, Sherwood Schwartz and Frank Duvall. Gilligan's Island's theme song, which was George Weil and Sherwood Schwartz. And then Green Acres, written by a guy named Vic Mizzy. So all three of those tell you what the show is going to be about. Yep. That was pretty good. Got a high concept and then, show and just tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't ask questions during the Gilligan's Island theme song, like <laughs> why a millionaire would go on the small boat. Yeah. I mean, he would have a yacht, wouldn't he? Raises some what? questions about whether he's really a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds and, like this could be a mystery show, really. Why are these people <laughs> all on this boat? Yeah. So my last one is um, Angelo Badalamenti's Twin Peaks. Talk about secrets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's haunting, but it's also kind of romantic and soap opera-y, and that's exactly what Twin Peaks was about. So I thought that Badalamenti nailed it on that one. Yeah. So those are my of note. I have to confess something to you. I've never watched Law & Order. Are you kidding me? Not Not even like somebody had it on the background, you just sat down? Nope. Never. I wow. so when you said the theme song, I was all like, yeah, 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 yeah iconic. <laughs> so uh, I was faking it, folks. Okay. Oh Maybe. man. Wow. That, I was just I was just letting the silence speak volumes of my <laughs> ignorance of this of this show. That's so. okay, man. There's, there's, there's shows that, I, that were in the zeitgeist that I have not watched. And now there's just too much television. Every week something new pops up. You're like, you gotta watch this. I'm still getting through the things from last month. I had one more mention that uh, my Julie put on the list. She had scratched it off, but then she wrote it back in on the bottom. And it was a theme to Moonlighting with oh. Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard. Al Jarreau. Al Jarreau. Another show I have never seen. Really? Never watched it. But that would have been right when you- I know. I know. I didn't watch a lot of TV in the 80s. I just didn't. I don't know why, but I, I mean, some of these iconic shows, people are like, don't you remember when? No, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. I had a about. life. I wasn't stuck in front of a television. <laughs> but I never, the, I never, I watched, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've only seen like two episodes of Miami Vice. Yeah, um, I've watched maybe. As big as that was. I, I got to say, 
it's got to be maybe five episodes I've watched total. Every Friday night it was on, right? It was a Friday night. Yeah, it was a Friday night. I was and out doing Friday something. Night, Friday night, I'm gone with my friends. I'm out. I just, yeah. at that time, I just like, I don't want to sit in front of TV. I mean, I've been Absolutely. either in school or I, I worked through school as well. I'm like, I got to work tomorrow. Tonight's yeah. my night to go out and go do something fun. So exactly. Was, no, same here. I was like, if I was home watching Miami Vice on a Friday night, I'd feel like a, a loser. I mean, that's another yeah. way to say it. Yeah. Hey, we went out to this party. What'd you do? I'm watching a new episode of Miami Vice. I went to a community college, but I had uh, one of my best friends went to a four year. So it was, he went to San Jose State and I went to a mm-hmm. local one in where I live. So he would call me, he says, Hey, you been watching Miami Vice? I'm like, No, I'm watching Miami Vice. He goes, We get together every every Friday, the whole, the, the, our floor in our dorm. We all just have the TV area and we all just crowd around and watch Miami Vice. I said, Huh. When I was in college, there was a show called The Flash. The first version of The Flash came out, and uh, we had a group of us that we did that. It lasted for like four weeks because that's about as long as it was on television. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we would watch The Otherwise, Flash. Yeah. So I was out and about, but that, uh, but well, we, were, to we knew we would be going out and about after it finished airing. So, <laughs> right, right. So you start, you sort of, that is sort of your ritual. It and then you got us all pumped up, yeah. you know, superheroes, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but one more thing I wanted to say about Moonlighting before we wrap up is that Jeff Giles, who was the editor in chief of Popdos, which we both wrote for, mm-hmm. he loves this show. This was like, I think this was his show. He's about 10 years younger than, than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was still uh, a kid watching TV. And and I guess this was his his weekly ritual. He just loved it. And I, I thought that maybe he should write a book about it. Just, you know. Yeah, it was just, a, well, especially now, yeah, well, unfortunately, you probably won't get much information from Bruce Willis. These yeah, because he's got that aphasia or something like that, mm-hmm, or he can't speak yeah. anymore. Yeah, so. that was his groundbreaking show. If you I, and unfortunately, I can't find it anywhere. I, I mean, you, you can't stream it. I, I tried to look for it. I thought because Julie was saying, "Oh, I really like Moonlighting." And the DVDs came out for a while, but mm-hmm. now they're gone, and so you have to track them down for hundreds of dollars on eBay. It was one of those shows that wanted to play with the medium. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, it was still television was still thought of as this, you know the redheaded cousin, so to speak. You know, nobody. If you were doing television, your career was on the downturn. You know. Oh, was, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You were it, slumming it. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, and that, really, that, that, yeah, okay. that carried through the '90s. Like when George Clooney was on ER, he wanted to get out of there because he wanted to go do movies, and movies were huh. where it was at. I mean, that I think that in the 2000s when all that started to change when you had the Sopranos and the Wire and you had all these great writing taking place on television. That kind oh, of so for Sybil Shepherd to well, go into TV was it was slumming. It was like you're you're on the downturn. Her career had taken a yeah. downturn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. exactly. And then because so, Bruce Willis was kind of an unknown then, this was sort of his, a place to start. And then yeah, so it was a stepping stone for him to go on to a great movie career. Whereas mm-hmm. the older actors, well, I guess I'm going to do TV now. Yeah. Wow, but that show played with the medium. It, it they broke the fourth wall the whole time, and would Willis would look at the camera and wink to the audience. Oh, okay. Uh, they had standalone episodes. Like, had one episode was all in black and white, and there was a musical episode. So they were taking chances. That's uh, pretty good. That sounds yeah, pretty groundbreaking. Cool. What I was going to say was that Entertainment Weekly had an article. I think it was written, gosh, probably a couple of years ago about moonlighting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when Bruce Willis when it was announced. Was it recently announced? Was it this year that he said that he's completely retired and he has yeah. a sophistication? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't 2020. It was, it was this year that they wrote the article, but it was about why you can't find moonlighting 
on any streaming service and you can't really find the DVDs. Well, the DVDs were only released between 2005 and 2007. Okay. And because they used a lot of popular music, they and Ma- mm. Miami Vice used popular music within the show. The licensing agreements to get that music is really tough to negotiate and can get kind of expensive. Yep. However, the creator of the show said it's not impossible and Disney, who owns it now, could do it because right now streaming on Peacock is Miami Vice and they have all the same music that was really? played during the original run. Yeah. So there was a way to to negotiate that licensing deal where they could play the music that was featured originally. I would wager to say that a lot of the artists whose music you're using those shows would be happy to negotiate because yeah. with streaming music platforms, you know, mm-hmm. they're not making as much money as they used to. And this would at least be an opportunity to make some kind of money. My last episode that I did with Keith Creighton, also from Pop Dose, was about Kate Bush and how she's had a second life because of Stranger Things. That's, that's so, I mean, yeah. she's got a number one song in the UK right now with a song that's 37 years old. So... If Kate Bush, who was sort of she kind was of not retired a popular in a way, artist, yeah, 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 not really a popular artist, can shoot to the you know to the number one slot in her home country and get like a top four hit in the United States thirty seven years later, you would think that those artists that showed up on the moonlighting yeah. episodes yeah. would say, hmm, "I want a little piece of that. Maybe I'll be yeah. back on the charts again." So just you know, that's, way to that's, I, I heard that or, that's the same argument of why like Homicide, Life in the Streets is is not on streaming because they said that the, the the licensing is too expensive, which I don't recall them having that many songs on yeah. that show. So yeah. I, it's weird. 90210 really? is another one where if you, you can stream it, but if you watch the shows that are streamed or on DVD, they've swapped out the music oh, that was originally put in there and yeah. put sort of generic music in. It's the worst. I, uh, I was a big, big fan of a show called Everwood which was on the the CW. CW, right. Um, I, I remember the title. I never I don't think I ever watched it. It was but. a it was a family show and my wife and I would watch it and um, but the song supervisor on that show would get just these fantastic songs by uh, up and coming artists or, mm-hmm. or some indie indie artists and stuff and um, and occasionally they get like a really great you know, like I think one episode they got a Dave Matthews song and it fit perfectly with the moment you know that's the magic right if you get somebody right. who really knows what they're doing yeah. and can really find the right song for a particular scene or sequence or whatever it can work to not only elevate the show and make the scene work but it can do really well for the artist too. Yeah. And, and in this case, uh, I've gone back and watched some of those episodes and they where they've swapped out the music. In that episode where the Dave Matthews, I particularly remember that, that episode. It was a really romantic moment. And one of the characters goes, I really love this song. And then you watch it with the you know the generic song and they're like, how do you love this song? It's terrible. <laughs> well, one thing that I do know is that you've made me want to go back and watch some of these shows because this has been a lot of fun going down memory lane and just thinking about theme songs, what makes them so memorable. And some of them aren't that old, but then some of them are. But I, it makes me want to go back and look at the old shows. So, Scott, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It, You'll so have to fun. come back again. You'll have to come back again. Whenever you want me, Ted, I'm available. I'm here to do it. I'm serious. Just give me a call. Okay. I love doing I love being on podcasts and I love talking to you. I, this is a good way for us to kind of catch up. I, you Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to take you up on that offer, mister. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, and thank you, dear listener, for listening. You are the stars that shine on Planet LP because without you, I'd be talking into a black void. As always, I'm appreciative that you listen and until next time, 
Have a good one. Bye-bye.